Father God, we thank you for this time that we have to share in your word with one another, Father. And I thank you that Holy Spirit resides in both of us. And to all our listeners, Holy, Holy Spirit resides in to those who believe. And it's the same Holy Spirit. It's not different portions or different spirits. It is one Holy Spirit uniting all believers in you, Father. Like one pond with a ripple spreading across. Father, right now I pray that we would get from your word what you deem worthy. Father, that I would not misspeak any words. And that you would give us revelation. uh, Not only of who you are, but how you are towards us. How you lean in. Father, as, as we look at scripture, we tend to forget the whole supernatural aspect of communing and communicating with you. Father, open that up to us. We pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Um, I'm actually going to start off with something. I don't know if it's going to work because one time when I played audio, you couldn't hear. I think you will. If not, I'm going to have to tell me you're not hearing anything and we'll just, I'll tell you where to get it at YouTube. It's actually lyrics from a song that are going to be meaningful, hopefully, at the end of everything. Anyway, I'm going to recite the lyrics, because that's my backup. And it says, uh, it's from a 2002 Christian pop song. Uh, the song title is Supernatural, and it's by a group of, called True Vibe. It goes, your absolute possession of my mind hit me like a hurricane. And this complete obsession's what I like. Just when I think I'm going and say, I tell myself, it's only supernatural. But it's the way you live in me. It's only supernatural. You make a believer out of me. And there's another verse that goes to it. But the song really connected for me. I want to say it was yesterday as I was mulling over uh, the portion of scripture I wanted to share on. And so hopefully I can tie that back in with the thought that was going on. I'll recite the lyrics again because um, it'll be good to go over them as I try to draw the connection. But what I want to do is I want to pick up from the New Living Translation and reading from Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30, I'm going to read the parable of the three servants. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, divided it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called to them to give an account of how his money of how I'm going to after a long time their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money 
The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I've earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling the small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibility. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibility. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops, I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate. Why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I wanted to talk on a part that's really not discussed very much whenever you hear the parable of the Talisia. The servant that got one, known as a useless or worthless servant, is usually generally the focus. But I want to just touch on him a little bit, probably a little bit towards the end, because I want to focus on the other two servants. As I was reading this one time, it's just like Holy Spirit just brought alive these two characters who are always in the background, generally, of any sermon note. They're not really referred to or gone into depth. But what I see is really what I find profound is basically to break this down into little bullet points. Their master goes away and he gives to each one what he thinks they can handle and work with. That's key. So the the master knows his servants well enough to say this one is going to get five. This one's going to get two. This is one that's going to get one. So, what we see happening after the master returns is that he goes and he meets the one and he, he calls them. He calls them and says, you know, come on, talk to me. Let's go share what you've been doing. And the one who had five earned five. The one who had been given two earned two. So, we know that the master gave them according to what they could do. And they were obedient What's interesting to note is whatever the master gave, they earned back 100% of it through obedience. Their obedience brought the fruit that the master believed in them, 
could be done. So we have what's known as, you know, I, excuse me, let me, that's a poor phrasing. We have what we can see is the master investing. Jesus, God, invests in us as well. And he's looking for us to be obedient. And it says they earn back 100%. Now, I think it's really subliminal or very under the surface, but you can quite get it, is that the 100% they earned back was in partnership with Holy Spirit because it was a one-for-one. One. They didn't earn back uh, a dissimilar number. They didn't. The guy who earned five didn't earn back three or didn't earn seven. So it's very telling when he, Jesus is telling the parable that he's saying, equal like for like so there is there is a pulling together of god getting the work done equally between himself and the person he's working with okay so that being said when we look at the useless servant as the nlt states he is he says i knew you and let me get the exact words. I knew you were a harsh man. You don't really plant and you don't really harvest. So basically, he's he's a, a boss. He's well, even higher than a boss, I should say. He's the owner. So he's not going to be in the fields. So there's this mindset that you don't really do the physical labor. It's my sweat that pulls it out. You know, I can do this. I can do the work that's before me. But I don't see you doing the same work that I'm doing. So there's immediately a disconnection. There's not a relationship there. Or someone might say there's a dysfunctional relationship. But, and he claims that the master is harsh. And this is what says he's speaking from himself. He says, you are harsh men. But was he harsh to the other two? No, he called them, you know, good and faithful servants. He was very ecstatic by it. He actually was giving them something to do and prove themselves so that he could give them more responsibility. And with more responsibility came more reward. So there's that kind of, you know, you do more, you get more. And we see that alluded towards the end of the parable. But the, the wicked servant decided to do nothing and god says to him if you had just done a little if you had just moved towards me a little that would have been something because i would have received what i invested in you and i would see you moving towards me but you're not moving towards me you're actually staying still you hid the money and then you're handing it back to me because you don't have a relationship with me you think I'm harsh and you think, you know, that I'm against you and that I don't work and I don't do these things, you know. And when the master was away, he was obviously doing business while he was away. So what we have is a useless servant who doesn't understand his master's role, or what the master has done, no relationship to him. And because the master has this environment, and the useless servant decides, you know, that he's not going to do anything for him. He reveals he's not really part 
of the company. So it's an obvious thing. If you're not with me, you're not in my company, you're not connected to me, then you don't really want to belong to me. So he's put out. He's put out where he goes because of his, I'm going to use the word, sin nature. Because he decided not to connect with Jesus, not to be connected to God, and not to move in you know, doing what God wants. And I'm not talking about good works. I'm talking about pleasing your father. Jesus says, I do what I see the father doing. So we have this whole impact of there should be change in our behavior based on our relationship. And some people get it more naturally than others, like the, the five talent servant got it. He was he was apportioned more than the two talent, but the two talent was not tossed to the side or thought less of. He was well within his ability, and we know that not everyone can run at a certain speed or think at a certain level and everything. But God can meet everybody where they're at, which is what we saw there. So, in closing. What I want to do is bring this back to what is God's desire or his business. And it does lead us into what the song alluded to. Um, and now I'm going to reread those first lyrics. Your absolute possession of my mind hit me like a hurricane. And this complete obsession's what I like. Just when I think I'm going insane, I tell myself it's only supernatural. But it's a way you live in me. It's only supernatural. You make a believer out of me. So a lot of times we as Christians tend to, I'm going to use the word, divorce ourselves from the supernatural aspect of God. We don't move in healing. We don't move in raising the dead. And it's very safe to say, you know, that was for back then. Those gifts have ceased. But has it really? Do Jesus' words mean the same today as it did back then when he said, greater things you shall do because I go to my Father? So we neglect the supernatural side of our lives, our, I'll use the word DNA, because we're hiding it in the ground. I would not prefer to be like that useless servant who didn't invest even. But if you stepped out and you took the chance, there's a chance, there's a very big chance that you're going to get 100% out of what God has given to you. So we can't neglect that. So with that, you know, I'm going to close it off and say, don't neglect the supernatural side. Don't neglect reading the Bible. Don't neglect who God is. You know, it's not a life of principles, being a good person. It's not a life of prosperity, you know, looking to get back from God. It's about connection and making a change in the world the way Jesus did, impacting those around. Aha. Got it. I looked up the will of God because I knew that that was in the that that was in the uh, in the verse. And there's like 18 different books on Amazon entitled 
the will of God. Hi, Shrigana. Um, Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. Hmm. Well, how do you do that? You build you build the relationship. And every good and perfect thing comes from that that wellspring, that source of life. And I think that I I see myself in I would hope that at this point in my walk I have come away from this position a bit but there was absolutely a point in time where i was the useless servant you know what i mean i thought god yeah. was the angry kid in heaven with the magnifying glass and i was the ant that's actually believe it or not an analogy that i used to draw when i would talk about god when i was mm. a lot younger um and i think that what you're talking about is the breeding ground is is prime and fertile area for Christians to get picked off because they're trying to do things that require relationship with the Father mm-hmm. and trying to live life and then they try to do it themselves, like you were saying, works versus relationship. They interpret it as works, and when they fall short, they start to question, and they start to go down a very mm-hmm. particular road and start to kind of become cannon fodder. Right. And that that verse in Romans came to mind because it's a mindset. You know, you listen to, listen to the words, you know, when you read, hear, hear the words. When you're hearing the way that the first two are being described and the way that they position themselves and the take that they have on the master, and then you hear that last one, there's leaps and bounds difference of yes. two sets of people, you know, two and one, one and the other. I know there's three, but two sets of people looking at the same person, looking at the same situation, looking at the same circumstances, and garnering two completely different uh, points of view on the matter. And I would dare say that it is, it's more holistic. That's, that's a word that cover that carries under different circum or different context, much, much, much different meaning, but a more overall necessity for that relationship to understand, to grow with the Father 
you know, grow in the father, you know, and grow in that relationship because it, it, it transforms how you see everything. And it wasn't until I started growing in that relationship that I saw the necessity to turn around and reinvest, reinvest, I guess is a good way mm -hmm. of putting it. Very good. Um, I think I think that a lot of people are in that boat. I or journey through that part in life, and it's a point where God has to become real. Can't be two dimensional. We have the Bible, and the Bible is really a two dimensional pages. It's letters. Um, and in it, we have the the ability to connect to God by what it says to it, how it communicates God. It's, the physical Bible is not God, but the words it speaks is, is the, I want to say the breath of God. These are the inspired words. Uh, and... When you think of what's being communicated, it is outside of ink and paper. There is something that is profound, and it dates back to before time when God was by himself before the creation. And even the Bible picks up after that. In the beginning, the earth was without form and void. So... Something happened even before we get to it. There's a mystery and everything. So we go through sort of the same thing. We don't have a form and we're void without God before we know him. But when we get saved and we come to understanding, we go on this journey. And I won't say that I'm up to where the... the, the uh, the servant was with the two talents, but I'm definitely not hiding it in the ground, but I want to be able to bring more forward. I would like to get more responsibilities, but that's not going to happen unless I'm doing something. And that active participation that you're talking about is a necessary component of spiritual maturity. There are a lot of people who just are going through the motions, no connections, and they're missing out on that whole supernatural aspect, that indwelling. Um, and I think we have to push ourselves because the world needs us now. There's a lot of divisiveness. There's a lot of things that are going on. And the supernatural power of God is one of the things that are promised. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. You know, these things shall accompany them that believe in me. So there's things that we are not, and I'm going to say the word manifesting. We are not showing the world. We are not distinctive. We've actually showed them that, hey, we're just like you. We just sort of believe, you know, we're going to go have a different place where we'll wind up when we're dead. If that's the gospel, it's very easy to overlook it. So... I'm praying that our listeners would be able to feel encouraged, 
feel um, challenged in a good way. Um, I'm trying to think of the word. It's not enticed, but it makes you want to pursue it. Exhorted. It's not. It's sort of like one of those words uh, where they want it. They really want. They want something different, distinctive. Not something that's just going to be okay. You know, um, don't have sex. Don't gamble. Don't kill anybody. Don't lie. But, you know, this is what God wants to do with your life. Those things are automatically to the side because of that. Because when you're dealing with a holy God, you don't invite that in because it takes away from your relationship. It would be like a man cheating on his wife. He's a, Even if she doesn't know, he's affected her relationship with him. It comes out regardless. And the wife is not stupid. She picks up something different. You know, so you do not want to invite that with God. So be holy as I am holy, he says. And so that means holiness is something that we can attain to. But through Christ. Father God, we thank you for your word and the exploration and adventure it can be, Father. And how you're always looking for us to lean into you, to come closer to you. Father, I thank you that we have opportunity, Father, and I, I thank you that you've called Joe and I, um, Joe and me, to go ahead and, you know, just be vulnerable for people and say, this is how we search scripture out, this is how we talk to one another, this is what we see in it, you know, what are your thoughts, what, you know, and just the, the, the not only the challenge it brings, but the encouragement that it does and the strengthening father and i just pray that people would have someone in their lives where they could talk about scripture and, and see how meaningful it is and how one person can bring something that another person will be able to just absorb and see it anew father we thank you for the body we thank you for community we pray right now that you would bless each and every listener we thank you for them in jesus name amen